Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk, show number 28. Yes, wow, who'd have thought we'd done 28 shows. Uh, we have a chock-a-block show today. Um, this is a real sort of indie film treat today. This is We've got two sets of guests, which is a first on this show. We have uh, Tom Meaton on talking about his film The Ghoul, which is playing film festivals at the moment. And, uh, and then another Tom Kingsley with his directing partner, Will Sharp, talking about their film. Uh, they'll be in a bit later as well. Um, these are people that have made indie films with passion and love on no money and got them somehow magically got them out and seen by people which is a really difficult thing to do so we'll be chatting to them but first i have james gill with me hello james hi dan how hi. are you i'm good thanks uh, james i saw a film last night i saw i daniel blake um, which, by the way, listeners, uh, I, Daniel Blake, is out at the moment. We interviewed Dave Johns, the star of the film. Uh, so check out, subscribe to the podcast, rate it, please, because that helps. Um, Dave Johns, it was a wonderful interview, so check that out. So, James, I saw I, Daniel Blake. Have you seen it? No. Is it good? Great. Is it, is it <laughs> End awesome? of conversation. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. It is great. Do you know what? It's a really beautiful, very simple, small film. Um, a lot of things occurred to me with my cynical brain, but I, I really enjoyed it. The performances are amazing. They're so good. It's an important story in this day and age. But a couple of the things... And it's sad. It didn't yeah, move yeah. me. But a couple of the things that are, uh, uh, um, sort of occurred to me is, one... You just don't see films about working class people anymore. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw a film about proper, like, real working class people with their struggles. Like, I'm sure they used to happen more. They probably were by Ken Loach and still only by Ken Loach or Mike Lee. But it was like, oh, I haven't been in this world in a film for years. I can't remember. Wh which ones would you pick out of recent years? I, I mean, can't. I, I, I mean, Dead Man's Shoes, and that's not, and that's not about no, working class. It's, no, but it's set, in that, it's still set in that world, though, isn't it? I guess so, but it's such a sort of, in a way, genre yeah, film. Yeah, sure. It was just strange. The other thing I thought, and by the, I'm saying this as a fan of the film, I enjoyed uh, the film a lot, but it has the most simple, small story that all I could think was, imagine someone trying to pitch this to a Hollywood studio. They go, right, okay, guys, we're looking for 50 million. It's a film where a guy's trying to sign on. And that is, that's it. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that, Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. like, and what else? But that's pretty much it. He's trying to get job seekers around. Can we get a franchise yeah. out of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I'm being uh, glib and sarcastic. It is, I urge people to see it just because I think it really does shed light on an issue that people think bene people who are claiming benefits are a certain type. And I think it's important to see how genuinely people uh, are living. Now, now, I say this as a man who is guilty of banging the working class drum, because I, I am working class, yep. as my wife likes to tell me. Not anymore, you're not. But nevertheless, <laughs> I, 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 as I tell her, yes, I am. Um, why are then... Now, I've, I have a, a theory as to why there may be a lack of working class films, and it's, it's, it's unpleasant, though. Go on. It, well, it's, it's the theory that uh, 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 filmmakers assuming that working class people will not be able to afford to go to the cinema, therefore why on earth would they make stories aimed at the working class? I mean, maybe. I mean, that is heartbreaking if that, that is, is heartbreaking. the case. I don't know. I think... Did you see Kathy Burke's tweet today? No. Check it out. She's uh, a, a very famous uh, English actress 
if this is, I mean, I have to say that this is alleged and, and on Twitter, but it is Kathy Burke's Twitter mm. account. A very famous English actress uh, pre Twitter said that not pretty working class actors and actresses had had it easier because mm-hmm. it was easier for them to uh, maybe perhaps re- relate to the public or uh, appear popular. And Kathy Burke, because this is pre Twitter, she, she, she wrote in a letter saying. Shut up, you stupid, and then a word that we must not say. So what Cathy done was she'd taken a photo or, or been given a screen grab of this magazine from back in the day and she'd tweeted the uh, tweeted it as if to say, this is what we had to do before Twitter. And her her point being that it is actually really tough for working class actors. Yeah. Um, Stephen Graham has said the same thing about working class actors. A lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of certainly the older generation who were afforded grants and... You know, moved to London to go to drama school and could afford the rent in London. Say so the same. It's like, how do you afford to pursue a vocation that costs so much money and you end up in so much debt? And how do you live in near the? It's not I possible. Mean, it's, so, just, so, so comedians I know who can't who can't afford to leave the day job, they say that they miss out on audition. Comedians who are actors, I should say, yeah, really, yeah. rather than straight stand-ups, but they they cannot afford to take days off to go to auditions. It's the exact same thing if you're. Um, any actor, I suppose, isn't it? You know, if you if you can't afford to not go to work or can't afford to not do a shift that day, you're screwed, yeah. aren't you? Whereas if if you are from a let's be honest, a well-off family, and your mum and dad are essentially bankrolling your yeah, a- yeah. acting dream, then you're free to go to every audition every day. I mean, that unfortunately, that is what it comes down to, isn't it? And it it's, is, and it's brutal. Anyway, let's. No, but there's um, got to be. A, like, come on, we've got to end on a positive. We, <laughs> we got, do. We there's got to be a message of hope there. Um, look, I think uh, I. I've always believed that things are secular. Secular? secular? Is that the right word? Let's go with it. Cyclular. <laughs> it should be cyclular. Things happen, things happen in cycles. And fashion and, Good um, uh, you know, fashion's trends and things come back. You know, soon people will be wearing bootcut jeans again. But how can but this the, come back, though? I don't know. I, I feel like at some point, maybe people will be sick of, and I'm not disrespecting I'm these actors. Because those like guys are great. The Eaton, the, yeah, yeah. Eaton, we love them all. Yeah. They have posh names and posh faces well done yeah but i i do have a soft spot for the working class actors and probably the, i think we've either you and i have said in private jack o'connell the fact that jack o'connell is probably the only the only yeah. one who springs to mind suggests there's all right there might be more but it suggests there's not that many young up-and-coming working class act- actors yeah, and maybe, actresses i don't want, i just don't want to be negative i want to believe that maybe a, f- a film or something will happen that makes everyone go oh we're really into this now and then you know the only way would be is, is for the lottery to do what they've done for our athletes to do the same for yeah. our actors there you go we should we should oh, champion this stop it didn't they used to i thought they did I and then they, they did. got pulled a couple well, of years ago by the damn tories tell you what, this is right, getting very political if, the, if the, we've had it, our athletes and i love sport I was a sports writer for 10 years. Our athletes, you've had a great run. How's it? <laughs> good that? pun, good pun. <laughs> Sorry, not intended. Or our Olympians, you've had a wonderful run of form there. Maybe ease off on the goals for a while. Give yeah. some of the money for you. You've had a great swim. Well done, well done. You've, you've filled that medal cabinet. Yeah. God bless you. You've got an OBE. How about giving the actors and actresses a whirl? Or if lottery honchos are listening, you know, is yeah. there any way of reallocating those funds? Or we just need to have slight, uh, uh, some more like Cockney Marvel heroes. Do you know what I mean? I would take that. Yeah. I don't know who. Like, if only they'd, instead of Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange, they had um, put, uh, I can't think of, see, I can't think of a single working Jack class. Jack O'Connell would have been a good Doctor Strange. Yeah. But he's got to do it in his yeah. uh, Derby accent. All right. 
That'll do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's discuss some news that you've uh, you've got to uh, that you've got to share with us. Well. Happy news in yeah. that Mike Banning is back. If you don't know who Mike Banning is, you've probably... I've said it before. I'm sure he's a character from EastEnders. I'm sure he is. Isn't there a Banning, a Mike Banning? Is it not Is Mike? it Branning? Is it Mike Branning? Branning. There you go. I'd lo- I hope that's where they got the inspiration yeah. from. So Gerard Butler has a lot of fun as, as Mike Banning. And those movies are... I mean, they are very silly. And I personally... I have a lot of time for very silly action movies, and, and it's, they're doing a third. They're doing fallen. a third, a third fallen movie. I mean, I didn't know the second one was successful enough for them to want that. It made something like two hundred million dollars in the US alone. Wow! So it did, I, th- I, I think globally, it may have been more successful than the first one. Bear in mind, the first one saw off um, the White House yeah, down. Yeah. You know, the big, the big budget yeah, Channing yeah. Tatum movie. So uh, the th- now we, we were chatting briefly before the show, Gerard Butler is a man who is not without charisma and talent and likability. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if he thought that his career would go down this way. Because there's a lot of love for... And I say this with love for Gerard Butler. There's a lot of love for the guy. But I bet when 300 came out, he wouldn't believe that his most successful recent movies would be with this Mike Banning yeah, character. Yeah. But that, but that's... It's a bit like Liam Neeson. When he was making Schindler's List, he never thought that, you know, 20, 30 years on, he'd be kicking people in the throat yeah. as a way of making I, money. I don't think anyone... No one I think, could have guessed that. I, think, I don't think he still knows that he's doing those films. No. He still <laughs> thinks the Oscar's on its way. I wasn't, I wasn't nominated for Taken 3. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Um, so that's coming back. Um, I mean, those films, are, are, there's a it's place... Called, it's called Angel Has Fallen, right? Angel Has Fallen. What does that, what, so they've gone even more specific and it's set in... Set in heaven. They, they fall into the category. I know they're slightly... They're Republican movies, aren't they, really? Those kinds of films. In the same way that Home Alone is a very Republican movie. You know, one How person... So? Well, it's, it's, uh, Home Alone is... Uh, well, Donald Trump is in one of the Home Well, there you go. It doesn't get more Republican. Yeah. Uh, a man defending his home by any means necessary. Necessary. Okay. I mean, when you rewatch those movies now, I mean, you, you've got to. I mean, yeah. all those burglars are doing it. I mean, I'm not saying that burgling is good, but the shoeing they take is surely disproportionate to the crime. Let them have a couple of stockings. They don't deserve well, scarring for you do life. So have to question the, how stupid they are to keep coming back for more. But you know. I, I tell you what, when I rewatch them, I, I, part of me is rooting for the burglars. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, come on, great. Great actors. Both great. Yeah. Uh, so Pesci, another one who I'm sure when he was making Raging Bull, never thought no. I'll be Although, playing a burglar. He's, in- by all accounts, he's a bit of an odd character, isn't he, in real life? Have you ever seen him interviewed? Yeah, I have, yeah. It's like, you know, there's... Erratic? Unpredictable? Yeah, I think so. And I remember seeing his SNL performance when he referred to Sinead O'Connor oh. ripping up the... Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. It, it hasn't aged well. And the thing is, turned out Sinead O'Connor was right all along. It turned out Sinead O'Connor was right all along. And you know what? She, you know, she's, she's unstable, let's say. And I'm sure the public abuse from the entire world mm, couldn't have helped... You know, you'd, you'd be a bit paranoid. You'd be a bit oh shaken God, if mate, everyone hated you. She was right. But she was, she was right all along. Sinead, if you're listening. Come on the show. Let's talk. That'd be great. What a coup that'd be. I, I love her. Uh, we've, we've, can I just point out that we have had the, the strangest <laughs> news, in inverted <laughs> we commas. We wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm loving this. This might be my favourite one. Oh, that's a lot of pressure yeah. on the finale, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, you've, you've got almost uh, seven. You've got seven minutes, so uh, it's not just the finale. You've got seven minutes of gold to fill. It's like doing a gig. I'm on stage, and the promoter's yeah. flagged up. Do seven more minutes. Yeah, this is the best gig of your life. <laughs> Don't keep, fuck it up. Keep it going. And then he runs a finger along his throat. Um, so we were going to talk about Westworld. Have you caught up with it yet? I haven't caught up with it. I think I did. I've done three episodes. What do you um, think? Look, I, I do love it. I, I obviously love it enough to keep watching. It's beautiful. It's It's got interesting themes and stuff. I just don't know what's going on. I'm like, you know, do you have to be quite this cryptic and slow with your information? I want to, I just want a bit more. I guess what I'm really saying yes. is, for something that is as, as expensive as it is, yes. as gorgeous as it mm-hmm. is, that has a, the Wild West as its main playground, it could be a little bit more fun. God, I th- you see, whereas I think it's absolutely glorious. Do you? I can't believe how good it is. I cannot wait for the new episode to start. Okay. Uh, it's like that. It's I'm absolutely hooked. Has something happened in episode four that I've yet to? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not really. Uh, okay. I won't spoil it, but but mind you, right? I had the I, you know it backs up what you've said. <laughs> Mad, yeah. Mad Men is one of my all-time favourite shows, and I know a lot of people have a problem with the fact that it feels very slow and subtle, and not always that tons of things are going on, but. I love that about it. So, really, I, I shouldn't be too critical of that with this. Well, if you love Mad Men, have you seen Halt and Catch Fire? No, I don't even know what oh, this is. Oh, my God. What the hell? Strap in. <laughs> Mate, David Trent, the comedian, mm-hmm. recommended Halt and Catch... We, we exchange recommendations via yeah. the medium of text. He goes, Halt and Catch Fire. So, I've started watching it. I'm, I'm on episode five of season one there are three seasons to get through the reason why you've not heard of it is because it's on Amazon Prime so that's not a diss of Amazon Prime that's no, just got, a fact I've that, got Amazon Prime oh mate yeah. then you my friend are in luck okay it's it's being hailed as uh, the Mad, uh, Mad Men the new Mad Men Mad Men set okay. in the 80s Mad Men meets uh, Silicon oh, Valley I've got to watch that's, this so it's all about Tell me what it is it's all about IBM again. and computers and it's it's fantastic. I love it. Lee Pace is in it. Yeah, the yeah. baddie from yeah. Guardians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's terrific. And Scoot McNary. Oh, we love Scoot. Oh, if mate, only for his name. Scoot McNary's got a great yeah, name, hasn't he's got he? A great name. I bet his real name is Paul Paul Smith. <laughs> Paul Smith. <laughs> no, not that. Um, I'm. I have you watched The Missing on BBC One? No. Is it good? It's very good. Really. Um, and I'm not just saying this because I know the writers. The writers had a history of writing comedies. So what did they write? Uh, they'd written, written a show, Roman's Empire. Um, they'd written a bunch of pilots, and I think it's fair to say that they hadn't quite had sure. a comedy land, and yeah. you know, be a hit. And this and has then, been a hit, hasn't and it? And then they write the missing. They switch to drama. I think one of the brothers had written a bit of drama before, and they absolutely knock it out of the park. Oh the first gosh. series was a massive, massive hit. It's so well written. This series feels like it could be... I've seen the first two episodes. It feels like it could be even even stronger than the first. They've now got dramas coming out of all fours. <laughs> what? I don't know what that means. And... Um, and they've also they also uh, execed Fleabag, which is the you joking? Know, obviously one of the most. So they're on fire, so they're on fire. Have you had them on here? Missing. I, no, I want to get them on, but they're so bloody busy. Um, oh, so it, what in, else you got? Muppet Babies. Now, if you're of a certain age, <laughs> just out of the blue, Muppet Babies. Now, I'm a, I'm a 38 year old man, and so it, when I was growing up in the 80s. 
the Muppet Babies was the fact that our producer is laughing to the extent where he's actually had to cut. Our producer, by the way, has grown a stubble, and if he doesn't look like an even sexier peak of his powers, Faith George Michael, I don't know. Oh, he's, he, he does. He, he just needs a cross earring, doesn't he? And I don't mean an angry earring. An, I mean an earring of someone shaking yeah. a fist. <laughs> Uh, Muppet just, Babies he's was got something to trust I us that he's laughing. He's laughing silently, exactly. but he's he's having a he's having a way. I, uh, I I I adored Muppet Babies as a kid. So what, they're bringing it back. They're bringing it as back as an animation. Or? Yeah, but like CGI, it looks um, it looks it looks gorgeous. Does it? It really what? does. They've made it already. Well, there's like mm, how have you seen this? There's like early early stuff is out there. I don't know if okay. full episodes have been released yet. Okay, but as a, as a is it going to be a box set binge kind of show? <laughs> wait till wait till my daughter's gone to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a man with a a sixteen month old baby, I look forward to watching that with her. I suppose now you're entering and singing a, along with you're her. like you're sort of um, filing through and trying to find the kids shows that that I you can, can watch get as well. something out of. Yeah, Hey Dougie. Yeah, that is a joyous show. Alexander Armstrong does the voice. Right, that's a fantastic show. Okay, well, hey, we, maybe we need to dedicate a uh, ten-minute section next week to uh, some, uh, some of the kids' programs out there are fantastic. They're really good. We so Muppet Babies. Who are your favourites? Um, I, I love the uh, fact that it fused. Gonzo was always Gonzo was wonderful. Always my Fozzie was always my favourite. Yeah, I liked Fozzie, but Gonzo. There was something about Gonzo. But the fact that Muppet Babies fused Spielbergian references in there as well. Yeah, it was an. I don't I, actually awesome. remember a single like line or episode or. Well, so they were they were in a nursery, but then you you didn't know what was real. It was all about their imagination. And what was the theme tune? Are we allowed to sing the theme tune? Yeah, we are. George Michael said we can sing the... Uh, when your room looks kind of weird And you wish that you weren't there I wasn't expecting full impersonation Then close your eyes and make believe And you can be anywhere Okay, let's... Uh, I don't, I I don't like remember adventure. this. <laughs> I like romance I love great jokes Animal dance What Et else cetera. you got, James? Second, second verse? <laughs> no, not, not, of, not of the singing. Please. So when I, was, when I went to... University, yeah. I played football very badly, and my party piece. I love how you give a, a, a sort of biog of your life connecting to each piece of news there is this week. <laughs> so, how narcissistic yeah. can you guys be? Uh, what, what else is oh coming out this week? Well, well, as a Gemini, yeah, I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh, I apologise, dear listener. I really do. I'll beat myself up on the way home over there. <laughs> Uh, oh yes, okay. So Deadpool. So we've been very positive and happy, but yeah. in slightly sadder news, mm-hmm. um, Tim Miller, the director of that, that's mm-hmm. my that's my sad voice. Tim mm-hmm. Miller, the director of Deadpool, has departed Deadpool Two over the old chestnut of creative differences. Oh, that old chestnut. So uh, Den of Geek, which is a I don't work for Den of Geek, but I think it, I can still say that I think it's wonderful. Yeah, they've done a story this morning, a bit of an update, and you know we have to be careful. And they were very careful to say it's just sources at, the, at this stage, but allegedly, um, you can tell my journalistic background because I never want to get sued. But allegedly, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, the writers, and Fox all wanted to stick to a budget that was more in keeping with not just the first movie, but the Deadpool ethos in general. Whereas allegedly, Tim Miller wanted to go quite literally all guns blazing and ha- and have this super high budget movie that again allegedly it wasn't felt was not just wasn't a dead mm-hmm. was not a deadpool movie i know some i actually have some information on 
this project, but I'm not going to mention it on the airwaves. Ooh. I'll tell you afterwards. I, don't, I never like wrapping up the show, but now I can't wait to hear what it yeah. is. <laughs> well, James, thank you so much for coming in again. Always a pleasure. Um, Did we maintain uh, it? Did it end our best ever show? I don't... Oh, oh no. I, I just... I, I'm not sure. I didn't enjoy the second <laughs> half quite as much as the first half. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I'm being oh, honest. Oh, that burns. Uh, <laughs> No, it was it was every minute was uh, to savor. So um, I'm sure we'll see you next oh, week. Oh, can I do soon. a plug? Of course you can. Yeah, always be comedy. Ah, is a comedy night <laughs> that I run every Thursday. Alwaysbecomedy.com. Short and simple. I like it, and Thanks I can much. vouch that it's one of the best comedy nights in the country. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, James, thanks very much. Thank you, um, my friend. I'm going to play us a little song, and then we're going to be chatting to the lovely Tom Meaton about his film, The Ghoul. Here's a song from uh, that was used in Cameron Crowe's uh, Almost Famous by Cat Stevens, who's one of my all-time faves. Uh, this is The Wind. So joining me now are the writing-directing duo Tom Kingsley and Will Sharp, who are here to talk about their new film, The Darkest Universe. This is the follow-up to their debut feature. It was your debut, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I just I suddenly had a moment of doubt there. Uh, your debut uh, feature, Black Pond. Uh, we've had Will on as a guest before, talking about his Channel 4 show, Flowers, which I understand has been recommissioned. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, so I guess my first question is uh, to you, Tom. How annoying is it when your creative partner goes off and makes his own show? Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> Be honest. Well, I mean, in some in some ways, you can't go over the fact that yeah, it is it is a little annoying. But but, but what? Um, you're not available for four months. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the whole, it's amazing. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's a great show. I'm just I'm I'm very pleased for Will. Um, I should also pick you up as well. Like um, we're a directing duo, but Will writes the scripts as well. So it made sense uh, that he would write his okay. own thing. There you um, go. Thank yeah. you for correcting me. And I will continue to fact check. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the U.S. election and everything has brought a whole new fact-checking phenomenon to sure. to every element of the media. It's true, even podcasts, yeah. which um, you still, Tom, haven't got your head around. Uh, is a audio-only. Well, I say that, there are cameras here uh, for our gifts or gifs, as our producer told us before the show. Um, so, uh, I mean, joking aside, you work together and. Uh, Part, how, what is the difference? Like, so you direct some, and, and congratulations, by the way, not only for getting recommissioned, Will, for Flowers, but also for getting a show that is surprised, that surprised me it got commissioned in the first place, right. just in terms of how kind of offbeat it is, and we live in a quite risk averse time. Sure. But uh, it must have done pretty well for it to get uh, another series. Uh, I, I think it's like, I've got to sort of thank the commissioners really yeah. Phil Clark and Neris Evans at Channel 4 A for commissioning it in the first place and B for you know fighting to get it recommissioned um, I guess it's easy for someone to to sort of write a weird project because it can always just be rejected <laughs> but it's sort of more <laughs> courageous to actually get it made yeah in a way, I guess well it's brilliant I can't wait to see the I love the first series so I can't wait oh, to see yeah. the second one so you direct by yourself and then so how do you mentally prepare for when you're on, then directing with Tom who by the way Tom you also direct 
on your own as well like what's like what do you get out of sharing the the, the glory what's the well it, it's partly to do with the actual production process because on the two films that we've done together they're like they're below low budget they're i mean uh, so micro micro budget they're, yeah. they're less than micro budget you out. pay less than you, no one gets everyone pays to be in it is it almost that kind of thing yeah, yeah. it's a pyramid <laughs> um, we've done very well after that. Yeah. Uh, the money's in films um, no uh, there's no money in films uh, is it Lawrence Arabia where the, one of the ADs they needed a massive crowd scene and they didn't have any money left so he put a sign up saying you can pay to be an extra in this movie oh and then they got loads of people because suddenly they're like we could be in a movie that's amazing yeah and you can see it on screen <laughs> well that's that's kind of kickstarter in a way maybe they were doing yeah, yeah. it what they were so ahead of the it time might not weren't they? the right film but i've yeah. heard it as an but we'll fact check it oh, yeah, yeah. please fact check it <laughs> um, um but yeah uh, basically having the two of us together on a super low budget film is really helpful there's basically I, mean, I just don't think we could we could do this level of filmmaking alone because we have a crew of two and between the two of us we're like we're just doing all the jobs i mean, not all the jobs we've got an amazing dop we've mm -hmm. got a great you know sound sound team and stuff but you know we do a lot of cooking, uh, picking people wow. up from stations, yeah. Amazing. Uh, making spreadsheets. Is, I suppose you could save a bit of time as well with giving after a take and there's, say, four casts. You go, right, you yeah. give notes to those two, I'll give notes to those yeah. two, go. <laughs> and then you've cut half, 50% of the time to, of note giving. Yeah. Well, you, you, you say that, although actually, <laughs> I guess like we we do want to like try and make sure that each of us is like is totally happy. So yes. in some ways for time, I think it actually might double the amount of time. Um, <laughs> but the one thing we do have is time on the uh, films like you know this film The Darkest Universe took us about three years to make and uh, we could work on and off we could kind of stop the project for a while go mm -hmm. away and think about it so um, go and make some money somewhere yes. else yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's but how do, what do you have to change mentally to be collaborative rather than especially if you've got if you've got experience going I'm the you know the leader of this project uh, is, is there ever any conflict? Like, sure, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. in the edit. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> answer is that. Especially in the edit, you know, yeah. like, because the, the possibilities are infinite. So that's where we tend to have our kind of longest theoretical discussions, mm -hmm. philosophical conversations about what the film should be. And normally the conversation ceases to be productive where we sort of start to stray into grounds of like what is film <laughs> things like that yeah. then we like actually maybe we're not talking about the edit anymore um, <laughs> but yeah. I think it, st it started because we made a short film together uh, and we met at university and collaborated there and Tom was working uh, as a runner at a company called Blink and I was working as an actor in Casualty and so we were both sort of and it was employed and in, yeah. in the, you know, and working in the industry, but sort of wanted to make something that was our own that we could, and we were the two sort of of our various creative friends seemed to be the ones who were who were mad enough, for example, to go to Japan for for a week and to visit my family and also make a short film at the same time, um, and that spirit sort of carried on into Black Pond and I think what Tom's saying is right that as well as just like the practical reasons why it helps to have two of you also just kind of psychologically yeah. because you feel absolutely insane mm -hmm. when you're making a film for as little money as we have a lot of us and you're putting so much time and energy into it to the detriment of many other aspects of your life yeah, you, know? yeah. you sort of think um, um, is this just stupid and 
And if there are two of you, then you can sort of take turns to be the person who yeah, has so the stretch to carry I imagine on. you have moments where you just suddenly lose a bit of faith in not necessarily yeah. the, the material, but like just, oh, God, can we actually achieve this? Yeah. And, and then having someone else is just helpful yeah. in that respect. Um, t- tell us what the film is about. If you can. Yeah, sure. It's about a guy played by uh, Will um, called Zach. He's uh, quite a stressed, uh, highly strung banker. And he's looking for his younger sister, Alice, who's gone missing on a canal boat. Um, And the police have found no evidence for where she might be. And he starts this uh, quite inept video blog to try and get her to try and find her. Presumably, she's gone missing on a where the canal boat's gone missing. She's not missing because you'd find her quite quickly if yeah, she was yeah, on yeah. a she's canal like boat. Normal somewhere. size, the boat's normal size. Yeah. yeah, but that would that would be quite fun. The haunted house sort of version. Yeah, yeah that would be. Um, and how do you come up with um, uh, this the, these kinds of ideas? Because they are they're you know they're if you don't this isn't a criticism this is a good sure. thing they're not you know like always mainstreamy kind of in tone i guess sure do you think oh you know i just want to make something that's you know really do you, do you think too much like Maybe. about what what stories you want to tell or do you just write what you feel in the moment or well ori- originally the darkest universe is based on a script that Tierney gosh brought to us and okay. so she plays alice uh, my sister mm-hmm. the girl who goes missing and we developed it with her and over time it started to evolve and even we shot it in kind of i guess mainly three blocks i'd say over the course of the three years and each time we'd look back at what we had and Again, I guess partly because of the resources and partly because of mistakes we were making, we'd some of the scenes we'd be really happy with and other scenes were just not quite playing how we wanted them to. And so the story sort of genuinely sort of evolved over time and the tone did as well. So one of the things that we got from the initial batch of rushes was that the footage of the canals... Uh, was really kind of atmospheric and felt quite dark and mysterious, which isn't really what we thought the film was going to be. Right. We thought it was going to be a bit lighter than that. Uh, but it was so we were so excited by that, mm-hmm. uh, kind of mutually, that we sort of started to build the story in a slightly darker direction. Um, As you, so how close to filming or during filming? And That would have been after the first block of filming. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's quite a... Um, you've got to have quite a flexibility to sort of go to be able to go do you know what actually yeah. we're, already, we're already in the filming process but let's yeah. maybe change you know go in a slightly different direction yeah well that, that's sort of some a technique that we've tried to pursue because because filmmaking is like the most expensive form of art really like mm. um it's uh so you you can be quite constrained because normally when you make a film you write the scripts lock the scripts you shoot that and you're like ah well there we go um and uh, and you put it out but like in something like theater like you preview it to an audience, you'll kind of rewrite it, yeah. you'll workshop it. It's constantly evolving up until, like, you know, the final show. Um, and we kind of, like, when you don't have much money, then you're not paying, uh, like, out very much money. So you do kind of have that flexibility. So we and thought, you've not got people looking over your shoulder going, how are you spending our money? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it was, but that's um, a good point about theatre, I guess. I've not thought about that, is you are allowed to change it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you don't. You're not like, well, that's it, and now we have to do it absolutely beat for beat, you know, sec- second by second, the same delivery. You're, yeah, you know, in fact, it's it's encouraged, isn't it? So I why? Think so, yeah. it, maybe you should. We should like have films <laughs> where you re-edit them every year and re-release them again. And 
That would be weird. Will's really dying in the corner there. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that would be really interesting, actually. Uh, it's the sort of thing maybe Soderbergh might do yeah, in, maybe, in between yeah. his bigger oh, he's projects. He's so fast at editing. Um, <laughs> yeah, quite amazing. Um, we did find, though, actually, like, just in talking about editing, like, cause we spent a long time shooting and editing and shooting again and then editing again. And, um, like, uh, one of our best bits of editing was when we just thought we'd finished the film and, like, left it alone for three months and was just, like, just tried to do other things. And then, like, like we both, like, watched it separately and we both just had, like, quite clear ideas. Like, oh, no, obviously we need to shuffle these scenes yeah. around and, like, we can make this so much more simpler. And there was no... At that stage, it was quite straightforward. Like, mm. editing does become quite hard when you're in the... Like bogged the wood, down in it. Yeah, the wood for the trees is yeah. a disaster. I mean, you know, you, you have comedic... Um, beats and elements and stuff to yours and I think that's always one of the hardest things is why did I find this funny six months ago yeah definitely because yeah. at the moment it's not making me laugh at all yeah, yeah. Like, how to keep the faith of the idea you had so long ago is, is one of the hardest things I find yeah that is really hard the and no audience to hit, hit, to play it off yeah you know? and it's weird like the first time we screened the film we had forgotten that a lot of the lines and beats were funny mm. and that's why we'd kept them yeah and then sort of people laugh and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's funny yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, nothing worse than when so people find the funniest bit that was an accident yeah uh, and you're like oh god yeah. the thing i worked so hard on got nothing and then this weird sort of ad lib seems to be that's always the way, yeah. yeah and you can take credit for it so, so <laughs> if, if will's doing a majority of the writing and you come on board as the co-director how does it work when you go, mm, not sure this bit of the script is working or do you, are you, is it a quite open dialogue? Yeah, to, I mean, yeah. that part of it is pretty smooth normally. Yeah. Like, I think we tend to have pretty similar ideas about what's exciting and how ambitious it should or shouldn't be. And mm -hmm. what is, what is, maybe we do sometimes um, try try or maybe arguably like over try to steer clear of stuff that we feel is, familiar from somewhere even mm -hmm. if it's from something that we like we might be like oh it's a bit but considering bit like how that, much has come before <laughs> that must be you're setting yourself an incredibly high yeah. but yeah and on yeah. this one as well i mean i co-wrote it with Tierney. so me and Tierney would meet a few times and we'd be right and then we'd send it to tom and then we'd meet as a three and mm. it's pretty fluid uh kind of Process. Yeah. Do you have a game planned? Is there like you know some, especially in America, I guess, because there's less of an industry here. But some indie filmmakers make their small films, maybe a couple, and then they slowly build up to making big studio films or something. I mean, there's the instance of you know Colin Trevorrow who did Safety Not Guaranteed. He did one small, like really small film, mm. and then his next one was Jurassic World, <laughs> the biggest film of the last twenty years. Yeah. It's like. I mean, it's that that was kind of mind blowing that yeah. the that the, the studio saw something in him that they were willing yeah. to give him that sort of budget. But if they someone came to you with Jurassic World three or something, would you? They literally would not. They literally <laughs> wouldn't come to us with Jurassic World. I know a few people. <laughs> I know some people who I could talk to. I think. Well, I, if if it felt like there was a chance that we could make a good version of Jurassic Park three, I would definitely love to do that. But I think you're not really in a position to do that. I mean, I don't know. I thought, I mean... But is there a game plan? Like, do you see a place that you want your films to go to? Or is it just whatever story you've got to tell at the time? 
think so. We'd like yeah. to, you know, make stuff with with more support and more money. money. But um, I think the most important thing is just making it with a team of people who you trust yeah. and get on with, whatever level that is. So if there was an amazing team of people in Jurassic Part Three, amazing. If there was a great supportive group of producers and, and writers and stuff on, like, no money, the movie. I don't know what that would be. Like. Uh, <laughs> that, That's that, our game plan. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually, right? It's a sort of a joke, but I would really, I'd be, I'd love to see your version of Jurassic World, <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Jurassic, um, Jurassic Jurassic Park Street. is actually weirdly referenced as uh, Alice's favourite film uh, in the film there you go yeah, yeah. there you go <laughs> I, I was saying and, it for a reason and there was there was a shot we tried to get in of um, you know canal the gates to a canal lock when you're on a canal uh, yeah. boat at the bottom of them we got like the Jurassic Park shot of the massive gates opening um, see didn't really fit in so you know we've got we can yeah. go to shots <laughs> definitely have okay so um, uh, when Will was here before he picked a, we get our guest to pick a guilty f- uh, pleasure uh, you picked the land before time you said to me just before we recorded uh, that I gave you grief about that like you see you seemed annoyed that I'd <laughs> you were like that's not a good, that's cheating I'm sure I'm not <laughs> annoyed well look okay. um, uh, Tom uh, I hate to say this Will but Tom has picked uh, uh, I think something that fits so perfectly into what is a guilty pleasure um, and also really music to my ears because uh, we always on this show uh, talk about the underrated Kevin Costner um, <laughs> what, uh, what? Why don't you tell everyone what you've picked, Tom? Well, I've picked Waterworld uh, as my guilty pleasure film. Um, there were the other contenders, but it is, it is, you know what? I genuinely enjoy watching the film, and I also appreciate this. It's not good in some ways. <laughs> um, oh, there's, there's a lot wrong with it. Um, yeah. Everyone seemingly uh, being able to smoke cigarettes in the middle of the ocean is something I've always found confusing. Yeah, um, but it's I- an artistic choice. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I think it was at the tail end of a period when smoking in movies was cool. And they were really just going, we, we may never get an opportunity again. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, what do you like about Like, what is the enjoyment you get from it? Um, I'd say actually my favourite bits are like the quiet bits. I'd say like for a massive blockbuster, which is kind of like Mad Max on the ocean and mm. it's quite silly. Um, there are, there's quite a lot of time just like being on the sea in this world that they're literally like the entire world has flooded. And that is such a crazy image to get your head around. Yeah. And, you know, they, they like they kind of swim down to the bottom of the ocean. You see these cities which are like, you know, like completely um, swamped with water. And uh, it opens with an image of Kevin Cosner like drinking his own piss. Like it, That's what it, I remember. It yeah. is quite, I mean, <laughs> that is the best bit. Yeah. Uh, no, but, my uh, favourite bit is when he's in the cage and it's going under that sort of gloopy yeah. liquid and he's about to drown and she runs over and says, will you help me? And he's just got his mouth above like liquid level and he sort of says in a really dry way okay that's 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 the bit i always remember but um it's a film that i think marks uh its era in that i don't think anyone would ever make a film on water with that level of um actual practical sets yeah, uh, uh, no, absolutely not. And, you know, like one of the things people talk about is that it, you know, lost all some money. The, the sets sunk, mm. um, I think, <laughs> several times. Uh, disaster. But it's incredible that they built that. Like, yeah. I do think of it kind of like a weird art film in that, like, they really bothered to make these incredible costumes and boat. Like, they yeah. designed new boats and stuff. And that doesn't happen at all now. Uh, it would just done, be done in CGI. And uh, it was 170 million the budget at wow. the time, and that's 22 years ago. Mm. Okay. 
So if I don't know what that is in, do we have an inflation calculator? I don't know. But um, that's amazing, that's isn't it? Like, where does well, we know where that money went. On, it went on the set sinking. Um, <laughs> I think it's uh, what, what is just so, to give people a bit of context because I think it's unfair sometimes to say give us a guilty pleasure and then the listeners go, "Oh, he's got terrible taste in films." What are some of your films that are like your kind of? ultimate favorite so that's such a hard question but do you have like a top three or something yeah 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 no uh, definitely i mean well we were talking at lawrence of arabia earlier that's mm-hmm. um, that's that's just not as good as water's well but water's <laughs> well <laughs> much more dry um uh you know love that. i mean really love coen brothers films mm-hmm. um thinking i think being been thinking a lot about horror films recently the uh, like the innocence uh I with Deborah Kerr. that is that's like from the 60s it's okay. a really wonderful henry james adaptation um that's really the Coen brothers, and you know, yeah. there's a there is a um, obviously a bit of a connection in terms of duo directors, We're brothers, and your and your brothers <laughs> clearly. Um, but the uh, <laughs> the uh, I was looking at their entire sort of um, canon of work, and I'm like, it is. I mean, yeah, there's one or two stinkers in there, but what an amazing yeah, run amazing. of. I mean, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? It's they're one of the few directors where I I would pro- happily watch every film they've made again. Even yeah. the ones I didn't like, yeah, yeah, which was mostly burn after reading. I think really, I yeah. think I can see why, but I do think it's. I watch it again. Would you? Say. Yeah, I, I would watch it again. Yeah, well, but I didn't sure. like it at the time. But um, I like don't know the what bit it was. Where Brad Pitt is acting suspiciously in the car. Mm-hmm. He's like pulling a suspicious face. Yeah, I remember <laughs> The film I like of theirs that's got a bit of a kick in was um, Intolerable Cruelty. I haven't right. seen that one. I enjoyed it. Oh, it's so a screwball comedy kind of. I think that's my burn after reading. I, I need to see it again to appreciate yeah. it because I didn't ask. Maybe we should get together <laughs> should and yeah, watch okay. each other's least favourite Coen Brothers <laughs> films <laughs> together. Okay, okay cool. it's a date. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, look, um, thank you so much. When can people see your film and where? It comes out on uh, the 4th of November. Okay. Um, so they can... Uh, Next week. The Darkest Universe, yes, yeah. dot com. There's a list of all the screenings. There's a few regional screenings, uh, the Cube in Bristol, mm-hmm. uh, Sheffield, Manchester a bit later on, um, and also there's a... Glasgow. Glasgow, indeed. Great. There's a fair few uh, screenings in London and, and as well. And who, who else? Uh, name some of the cast as well in the... Uh, so Tierney, gosh, mm-hmm. who I co-wrote it with Joe Thomas yeah. uh, from The Inbetweeners. He plays uh, uh, Toby, Alice's boyfriend, who also goes missing. Okay. Um, Sophia DiMartino, yeah. who was uh, Amy in Flowers. She's in it. Uh, some cameos from the likes of Simon Bird, also from The Inbetweeners, and Johnny Sweet. Uh, Jamie Dimitriou. Jamie Dimitriou's nice. in there. Fleabag. Great. Um, you name it, we, we got some of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, I uh, also should say that um, it's, on, it's online as well from yes. the 4th of November, so you can watch it on your favourite platforms. Uh, Excellent. Well, good luck with it. I hope it, I hope it goes brilliantly, and I can't wait to see it myself. Um, uh, this is a very tenuous link. We're going to play a piece of music. Um, the link is Costner, but this is a piece of music I adore from the film The Untouchables, uh, and it's, I think, the sort of main theme uh, by Ennio Morricone. And it goes a little something like this. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio.
Now, my next guest sitting opposite me is uh, an old friend of mine, very old friend. He, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll recognise him from his many, many appearances in British TV comedies, including Saxondale, The Mighty Boosh, Noel Fielding's comedy, luxury comedy, I should say, star stories, and of course, probably most notably, uh, How Not uh, to Live Your Life. Uh, <laughs> what was that show? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've done a lot. I can't remember uh, them all. Yeah, I mean, it was something in the um, late noughties, I think you did. Oh. Uh, Tom, uh, I'm... Uh, also, a writer, a comedian, uh, part of the double act Orama Meaton. He is here to talk about a new film he's starring in, uh, co-produced. It's called The Ghoul, written and directed by Gareth Tunley. Uh, it premiered at the London Film Festival a couple of weeks ago and has a screening coming up in Manchester this Sunday. Where, where is it, Tom? Uh, it's at a cinema called Home in Manchester, which is supposed to be amazing, and it's at 6pm on Sunday. On the Sunday. And it's part of a Film 4 sort of backed thing called Film Fear. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of, uh, film for itself is getting converted into sort of lots of doing horror films and things like that through Halloween, and they're also doing these screenings, which okay. included Prevenge as well, which is Alice Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Who was our guest last week? Was she now? She was now, yeah. I'm in that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, so, do you? Um, uh, uh, how, are the tickets still available for the screening on Sunday? I'm sure there are. <laughs> <laughs> How did it yeah. go on to, uh, on at the uh, film festival? It was uh, amazing. Was yeah. it? Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. We had so we we had a, this lovely weekend. We had a Friday world premiere of the Ghoul, and then we went up to Nottingham, uh, a festival called Mayhem Festival, which mm-hmm. is for sort of cult again, a bit horror-y, um films. And then we were back, and we had another screening at London Film Festival. They were all absolutely brilliant. It was very exciting. Great, because we're quite a small film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was all very exciting. It's yeah. just nice to actually see it with audiences and absolutely, on yeah, a big, big yeah, big audiences and great, and big audiences. Can you describe the film? No, no, <laughs> no one can. No. That's the problem. Impossible. <laughs> um, I've seen the film and yeah. I know it is must be quite a difficult film to talk about well I tell you um, I can do my sort of I've, I've had a bit of practice at this over okay. the past couple of weeks but well I asked Alice to do her PR version of uh, Prevenge and her just two mates talking and why don't I give you that uh, okay. that task as well uh, All right. the PR version go I'm not sure that's the PR version <laughs> very good. anyway the PR version is um, on the surface the film is about a detective investigating a strange double murder uh, he then has to go undercover to investigate the the main suspect and uh, he goes undercover uh, with a therapist psychotherapist and the film begins to unravel um, as his therapy sessions continue Mm -hmm. and now the just you and me chatting it's madness (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean it is actually quite about madness (laughs) it reminded me of um, uh, the kind of psychological thrillers that don't get made as much uh, mm. These days, like Jacob's Ladder was one that I thought a lot yeah, about. Which, yeah, it's true. Well, I'm about to contradict myself. They are. I've heard they're talking about remaking it. Weirdly, are they? yeah. Okay, which is a bit annoying. But that kind of the kind of film where you really there are there is a chunk of it where you really are like I don't fucking know what where this is on. like you know yeah but yeah. in a good not in a sort of like uh, I don't yeah care well anymore, I think it's but. a fine balancing act and Gareth uh, Gareth Tunley wrote wrote it and directed it I helped produce it and I mean it um, oh, he right, did right. Well, just, that's my <laughs> PR bit oh sorry we're mates yeah okay. yeah I often forget that um, with You're the, very funny <laughs> see he's a comedian I still got it yeah. uh, yes it's a fine line I think with, with a lot of these films of sort of giving the audience enough information so they don't get totally frustrated but trying to keep it a bit of a mystery and I think and 
hope that Gareth has, has got that spot on with this because it is quite uh, it's enthralling it draws you in you don't it shifts around as, it um, shits around it shits around about <laughs> <laughs> shitting yeah um, that's why it's so confusing exactly do you did, how did you gauge that like in terms of because obviously you haven't got the money to do mm. lots of test screenings and mm. things um, well and having f- said that we, we you did lots of test screenings well we did yeah <laughs> did we did you? in a way I mean not at, you know not officially Hollywood style test screenings with, with like an audience afterwards yeah, yeah. And, a, and a form and yeah. people who are getting paid off the street and things like that but with trusted uh, friends because yeah. um, Gareth you know he, he edited it himself he, Rob Hill brilliant editor who did a lot of Ben Wheatley stuff did a first pass on the film edit uh, and then Gareth basically did a lot of the, the, the hard work of it mm-hmm. and so he would get various friends to come and see v- different edits at different points and, uh, and of course we have we had Ben Wheatley as well, who who was himself an exec on it, and he gave us some great notes um, quite early on. And, in the edit. and so you, from very early on, were always aware of like where that line is before it becomes too confusing yeah. or too. Yeah. Was, was there a line if you pulled it back the other way where it became too almost telling people what's going on? Well, we did because we were so low budget. We didn't actually have that as an uh, as somehow an edit uh, yeah. an edit option because you didn't actually you know it wasn't so we went oh we'll hold that information yeah. back because we've got that in the yeah. can. Um, but I think there there was definitely a case of. Um, are you uh, saying that you forgot to shoot exposition? <laughs> That's why it's mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> the whole reel was lost. Uh, uh, how did this come about? And and was it originally Gareth's uh, idea? Totally you? Gareth's idea. Um, and he did he always want you to play the lead character? I don't know. I've never asked him that. You I mean, didn't audition. I didn't audition. Okay, thank Christ. That, yeah. I mean, as uh, as uh, uh, an actor yourself, or yeah. ex ex actor, maybe. Well, well both know. are questionable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, auditioning really really sucks. Uh, look, some people like it weirdly, okay. and they got skills at it. And I certainly have mental. So anything where people ask me to do something without an audition, I don't even ask them what it is. I just say yes. Uh, mm. Not that it's a case for this because um, Gareth has a low budget. I he he asked me simultaneously to be in it the lead and to and to help produce it okay. as a kind of like you can, you can be a lead but you've got to help yeah. me make this it was up. like the worst uh, compliment yeah. in the world yeah i really want you to be my lead <laughs> as long so, as you produce yeah. it yeah yeah um but well, we had it, it's taken us a long time because of our budget restrictions it's taken us a long time to do and uh but i, I helped him with things like casting which meant casting all our friends mm-hmm. um names why don't you name some people in yeah the, so we got because uh, gareth and i um met through the comedy world as i met you Dan, mm-hmm. uh, many years ago um, so a lot of the people in it are uh, comedians, um, but it's a very serious film, to say the least. Uh, it's about quite weighty things. It does have a streak of dark humour within mm-hmm. it, but it's mostly about heavy, heavy business. Um, but we, so we have Alice Lowe, who we mentioned before, um, Dan Skinner, who's uh, Angelos Epithimu, yeah. uh, Rufus Jones, who's brilliant in camping, uh, quite recently, and, and Hunderby, and Hunderby, of yeah, course, yeah. Paul Kay, yeah. um, legend. So almost in entirely comedy actors yeah. doing playing straight that's right yeah yeah which um yeah the only person who isn't do you not know straight actors no, no. i mean that's genuinely <laughs> true i don't really you just sort of, you know when it's something like this you 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 cut you want people you trust yeah to do it to, it's a low budget thing you don't know how it's going to go da, 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 mm-hmm. you want people you trust on on side so you cast your friends i think that's just generally a healthy thing to do yeah on a low budget thing so uh, you, jeff Jeffrey McGiven. Jeffrey, who, Jeffrey McGiven, who I didn't actually know, but mm-hmm. he is in comedy. 
comedy. Yeah, um, he does he came, a lot of comedy, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. But he's presumably he's done straight stuff as well. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah he's, he's great in there yeah, as well, isn't great. he? He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah he's an amazing so character good. in it, and uh, sort of, sort of like a sort of almost like a modern day sorcerer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but kind of has some very funny lines. But the only person who wasn't isn't a comedian is Neve Kuzak. Um, oh. who was the other psychotherapist in yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, she, we didn't know her. It's quite hard to cast. And, the, and, and, the, and the, ironically, the funniest role in the whole... <laughs> <laughs> Just naturally. Yeah. A natural comedian. She was uh, in Heartbeat. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, do I mean, you, so when you do... Brilliant. I was going to ask this about you specifically, but I right. guess it applies to the entire cast. You get probably your first like big lead role. Mm. And then yeah. your entire... like I've known you for... This is... this saddens me to say this number Uh-oh. but i've known you for like 18 years i think wow yeah i know wow. and we could have a teenage <coughs> son together we could we? yeah i've 18. always wanted that but um yeah. you resisted yeah, well, you know, sometimes. <laughs> uh, and um we in all that time you have obviously been specifically a sort of comic actor and yeah. comedian yeah and then you get your first lead role and it's not in comedy yeah um how were you nervous going into that that's quite I like to nervous, do a yeah. small serious role in something else first to step your way into like yeah. more dramatic acting but to just to just go no fuck it i'm a uh, award, i'm award worthy actor <laughs> i'm going straight for my lead straight in yeah. i was i was very nervous um yeah uh, but gareth sort of reassured me and just sort of convinced me really that yeah. i could i could do it and i worked very hard with him on um virtually every single scene we went through which is quite rare as you know in these things even quite big budget things you don't necessarily get time as much time as you want to rehearse mm-hmm. but we did and um, we did get quite a lot of time and we just went through every single scene so we knew i knew what i was doing and, um, and in your head how do you like because i think when you do comedy you're always looking for a thing, a beat, a moment mm. uh, yeah, that, sure. that, that you f- whether you're doing it in front of an audience so you hear and feel that f- laughter or feedback or you just know instinctively is funny, when you remove that does it just feel like you're saying words? Like, how how quickly? How I think did you? A weird, so obviously with comedy, and even this applies when you're filming as well, not necessarily live. There's a thrill. Yeah. There's a thrill when you you know, oh, I'm making when you're filming, oh, I'm making the cameraman's yeah, shoulders, yeah. you know, famously. You got to try and make the cameraman's shoulders shuffle, yeah. like you know, jig about with laughter. Um, so there's oh, there's a thrill from that, obviously. But there's there's or a making different each other corpse. Or yeah, corpsing, yeah, yeah. of course, yes, classic. And um, but there's a different thrill, I think. And I, I definitely felt it doing this serious stuff of, of just sort of feeling the moment and trying to make something dramatic slash believable slash, mm-hmm. you know, enthralling, I guess. And, and you felt it on, or I felt it on certain takes, I think, I hope, when people watch it. I've always thought that, and this is my two penneth worth, it, that maybe the biggest difference between comedy and uh, dramatic acting is probably comedy this isn't a blanket rule but just mm. generally comedy is a bit more about performing and acting is a bit more about be- behaviour like being yeah, just interesting. real yeah do you know what I mean I do yeah I've ne- I have to be fair I've never really thought about yeah, it yeah didn't, didn't give a shit did you it was a <laughs> not job not really I'm just doing it <laughs> just doing it <laughs> something to do with it but then so then you're but with I a think- whole crew of other uh, not crew a whole cast of other uh, comedy actors was mm. there not a temptation to make each other corpse or well or I suppose because of the heaviness of certain scenes and the themes and stuff yeah, yeah. I mean you know there's, there's plenty did happen that was that was uh, silly oh god boy did we have a laugh <laughs> I wanted to do a cock and we made everyone laugh 
um, with the, you know, obviously there was a lot of fun to be had, and there was also brilliant sort of reactions from people. It's sort of a, it's hard to talk about unless you've seen the film, but there's there's two beats in it which are to do with supporting actors. One called, a guy called James A. Kenwood who hasn't done loads of stuff, but it's brilliant, and Rachel Stubbings who was also another comedian mm-hmm. uh, who's great. And they're very contrasting things that they did spontaneously because you know in a lot of comedies you improvise quite a lot. Uh, and they did two improvisations that were brilliant and kind of, for me as an actor, they're amazing. And he basically slapped me mm-hmm. without me knowing, which uh, obviously... And as a created, producer, you had him fired uh, off. Yeah, yeah, just arms chopped <laughs> off. Uh, so, um, and then Rachel did the opposite. She kissed me when, when it was totally... Um, and likewise, I had her arms chopped off. <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, both moments that were kind of um, uh, improvised and sort of helped me, I guess. But also... And they stayed in the film. Those, those moments stayed yeah. in the film because they're the sort of... The I thought you meant the actors. They stayed in the film. I didn't... <laughs> didn't shoot them. Um, that's cool. So do you... Uh, as a pro- So you're producing it as well. Um, mm. how, what was the budget, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I probably won't say, okay. actually, just okay. because we are talking to people um, about uh, uh, t- your tax returns <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but, probably yeah. best you don't say no I don't want to say yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, no we're no. talking about we're talking, hopefully we're going to try and uh, get some distribution Great. Um, and things like that yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we're talking to a couple of people and, and you, so you need to pretend it, you spent 20 million 20 million, on million it. pounds yeah, yeah, yeah. my yeah. fee was yeah. 20 million yeah. in fact yeah. uh, no it was just um, it, was, it was low budget but it, it was, was very low budget, budget right yeah absolutely and um, so you're acting in something that you're doing a genre and style of performance that you never done before mm. and you're producing a film that has very very little money mm. this to me sounds very stressful how did you stay well, focused and I th- well uh, first of all I wasn't the sole producer which of course helps okay, I think it's help. a shared uh, so you're not acting in a scene thinking shit well, we, we need to get uh, gotta get some pizzas we need to get the food for the crew we haven't got enough yeah. pound pizzas what about the, what about the grip pizza in your eyes when he needs some meat the grip needs meat <laughs> I haven't got enough meat we didn't even have a grip so there you go um, but the uh, yeah I, d- I did a bit of that and helped sort of catch him but there's a brilliant um, producer called Jack Gutman uh, who did a lot of the practical very good name to say staccato isn't it Jack Gutman yeah. hey Jack Gutman <laughs> <laughs> give me Jack Gutman. Get him on the phone. Get him on the phone. Give me Gutman. Um, but he did a lot of the day-to-day production, so he didn't have to worry about that. And Gareth, obviously, was a help producer as well. So I did a lot of kind of getting together with the cast and talking to Gareth about ideas mm-hmm. and locations and things like that. I, that was more my role. But in terms of doing it all, I mean, my kind of... Um, in back, I suppose going back to that sort of serious thing is that I, I remember that I made had to make quite a conscious effort because uh, I had to concentrate, obviously, to do my part, but to sort of w- do less with my face. Yeah, yeah. This goes back to what we were saying, really, about comedy. You know, yeah. you can sort of gurn, not in everything, but you can gurn and kind oh, of, you know, be, be an idiot, yeah. basically. And that's what was enjoyable. Business. Yeah, business. Yeah. And this, I actually, you know, I had to pare it down. I was really self-conscious of not, because my face just naturally, yeah, oh, yeah. this is radio, but I'm pulling, the, I'm pulling loads of faces. It's very right much now. like the sort of Marty Feldman of... Yeah, exactly, uh, pulling loads of faces. <laughs> I'm all over the place. My eyes can't stop me. Um, but it, uh, so I had to pare it all back down. Just mm-hmm. I don't know. I think was that, that the acting note? Pare it down, Tom. But well, yeah. In was some it? ways, I mean, he didn't have to. Add, get, just when we were talking about it beforehand, it was but about so, can doing I just, l- less. Can I just say it's a brilliant mm. performance? Oh well, thank you. And uh, thank uh, you uh, I enjoyed the film, and I hope people will go and watch. Uh, when it appears, hopefully you'll get more screenings coming up. Hopefully, but this we Sunday at Home Cinema, six o'clock. And where do they? What do they Google? Do they, they just Google, Google that? Google that. 
it's film's part of the film fair. It's called the Gould, and it's uh, Manchester, uh, six pm on Sunday. Great, you can probably Google it. Now, before you go, yes. we get our guests to pick a guilty pleasure, mm. um, a film that masturbation. I know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, there's nothing guilty about that, is there's, there? Mm. Um, I, um, or there's nothing pleasurable about that, is there? Um, I, uh, I, I sort of put it in two categories: is it's either a film that you know is terrible but love anyway, or mm. a film people hate or think is bad but you think is underrated or misunderstood. Oh, I see. Um, okay. I think your film's going to some fall somewhere between. The the two yeah, in a way maybe what I mean you I, picked I picked uh, Highlander Highlander not the not any of the remakes yeah. obviously I'm no, talking the about original the original Connery uh, Lambert Christopher Lambert 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 yeah um, who Tarzan. had a very short lived um, Hollywood career after that yeah they? because they of that <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it you love forward stroke hate about the well, Outlander I think it, it is both of those things in that you love and hate it it's, it's, it's the the acting <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly bad. I mean, there's a, there's a brilliant sort of quote from, I can't remember his name, the director, but saying that he was shocked that um, Christopher uh, Lambert couldn't really speak English. He's been cast in it. Oh, and God. he couldn't really speak English. Yeah. And he's, he had to go on some intensive sort of training to try and get his... What, language training? Yeah, because he couldn't really speak oh, English. Oh, my God. Why did they do it then? I don't Why know. They it's an amazing... Well, because one of the ideas, and one of the great ideas, because there's things like the bad acting is sort of very, um, you know... It's Russell Mul- Mul- Mulcahy? Mulcahy. How do you say that? Mulcahy. Mulcahy? He was the director. I'm sure he's a brilliant he's director. He's gone on to but, do amazing um, things. He did... Uh, he's a great director. He just made one mistake casting a non-English-speaking person in an English-speaking film. And then Sean Connery's in it. He's yeah. doing a sort of... He's not doing Scottish either. It's, it's obviously, it's set in Scotland, yeah. for anyone that doesn't but know. But he decided not to do Scottish. No, he's doing sort of like a weird, weird kind of Spanish... He's, that's his what? character. No. But he's sort of doing Scottish. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the when place. When I, I saw it as a kid and I just assumed he was Scottish. Well, he even... is Scottish, but the idea is that he's... He, I think he might be supposed to be from sort of Egypt or somewhere like that. So he's doing some weird uh, accent. Everyone's accent and acting is all over the place. But the principle... I mean, can, I, I just, can I just interject? Yes. For a man that can't do uh, accents, Sean Connery decided to do a lot of accents in his career, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, it's bizarre. Like that one in The Untouchables, which which is a brilliant performance, but the yes. accent is, I'm not sure what it is. No, and, no and it I is. adore Connery. I absolutely adore him, but accents definitely aren't Maybe his. he's just one of, he's one of those guys that likes to rise and chant, take on their weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In front of everyone. Yeah, yeah. in fact, yeah. Whilst so getting paid load of money. What is your favourite thing about the film? I think it's the concept, isn't it? It's a yeah. brilliant concept. Because I've always, I have got a massive soft spot. I mean, it comes from, it's that comfort of uh, childhood, of uh, sword and sorcery. Yeah. Things like the Beastmaster, mm-hmm. which was, you, you know the Beastmaster? No. Oh, the Beastmaster's got Rip Torn in it as the sort of bad guy. No way. It's got this guy who's a bit, oh, it's incredible. I should talk about the yeah. Beastmaster more. You As should. a child, it was my, my absolutely incredible. I think it's probably early eighties, mm-hmm. and it's this guy, sword and sorcery, in in a sort of range of sort of Conan the Barbarian, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. He's totally ripped. He looks a bit like He Man, but actually real, and he has control over the beasts. <laughs> I'm saying that with a lot of. <laughs> he's got control. I'll just yeah. say it again. He can control. The beasts. This so sounds like dialogue whole... from your lovemaking, by the way. <laughs> I can control the beast. I can't control it. <laughs> My beast's very quick. Um, but he, he's got so he can control eagles, sort of like he's got oh, a, like wow. a black panther, and then he's also got these two ferrets 
that hang, hang, hang around <laughs> in his pants. <laughs> that uh, is an amazing. What? How come I don't know about this film? Was it? A, I don't know. Was it it's very big, bad. Was it? Uh, yeah. And did it get eclipsed by other sort of fantasy I went to type the films? To see did it. you? Yeah, yeah. I remember going. Uh, it was it was a big thing for me in my That's childhood. I, I had fantasies about controlling animals wow. um, for quite some time. Who wouldn't? What child wouldn't? <laughs> well, look. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think the Outlander. Outlander. Out- the Highlander. Highlander. Outlander oh, yeah, is a distracted. Hi- Highlander is a brilliant guilty pleasure choice, um, and I now want to go and see the Beastmaster. You got to see the Beastmaster. And also, just quickly, you mentioned mm. Rip Torn. What an amazing name! Surely that's not his real name, I, is it? I, I, either creative parents or, or a, yeah, or it's short yeah. for like Ripley Torn. <laughs> Ripley Tournament. <laughs> From yesteryear. <laughs> um, Tom, what a pleasure. Good luck with uh, the film. I hope yeah. you get full um, distrib- distribution. Mm, um, fingers crossed. And if not uh, in, in the cinemas, we live in a world where it's slightly easier to get stuff on the video on demand, all that sort of Absolutely, stuff. So I hope yeah. it has a life. Thank you. Uh, good luck with it. Um, we're going to play out with a piece from the Highlander movie. This is by Queen, who... A thing to do every soundtrack in the the 80s. 80s, This is Princes of the Universe. Here we are Born to be king 